0: Maybe this whole Corona thing is one of the reasons why you're not so in favor of my God. This week, I want to speak to those of you who aren't so sure about the whole Christianity thing. Maybe you're not in the exact same spiritual place as I am and maybe there are a bunch of good reasons for that. I should introduce myself. My name is Mike. I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a speaker for a media ministry and I and really into God. <laughs> I think about God all the time. I read the Bible every single day. I talk to God. I seek God. I sacrifice for God. I give for God. I give up things for God. I trust God. Like He is the center of my universe. And if you're not there, maybe one of the reasons is because how can there be a God that's that good? if the world can be this bad? It's a fair question. If there is a God who knows everything, like corona, and who has power over everything, including corona, and he loves everyone, including everyone who's been infected by corona, how, how can that logically work? If he knows about it but he can't stop it, that would make sense. If he knows about it and can stop it but doesn't love us, well, that would make sense. If he loves us and could stop it but didn't know about it, that would make sense. But how, how do you put together these three things that God knew and God could have stopped it and God says he loves the world that, you know, logically doesn't make sense? It's one of the biggest objections that many modern people have to the faith that I believe in. Why do bad things happen to good people? How can there be such a good God in such a broken world? And it, It didn't start with corona, but it's resurfaced those old objections and feelings. And this week, I want to talk to you about that. If you're a person who's not so sure of the Christian faith, or maybe you know and love or related to someone who feels that way, I want to talk to you, how can there be a God like that in a world like this? I should let you know that if if that's you, you are far from the first one. In fact, there's actually a special name for this. It's called theodicy. There's a $10 word for your day. (laughs) Uh, Theo in Greek means God, like theology or theocracy. And the desi comes from a Greek word, decay, which means justice. So how can there be a God of justice? A God who's good? A God who does what's always right in a world where so much has gone wrong? Well, let me give you up front my basic answer to that question. An answer that we're going to unpack in the days to come. I would bet that you're okay if someone knows and controls and loves as long as there's a good purpose to a painful situation. I bet that you believe in, you even trust people who allow painful situations, maybe they even cause them, as long as at the end of the day, there's a purpose. Here's why I'm making that assumption. Because some of you go to the gym. In fact, you pay gym memberships. Maybe you pay a personal trainer. Why? To make you sweat? To make your body burn? To make your muscles ache? To wake up the next morning and not being able to move your arms? Why are you okay with that pain? Well, because there's a purpose. Or think about some of you parents who bring your kids to get their shots. Why do you schedule those injections? Why do you let some stranger grab a sharp object and stab your own children? You you pay for that. You have insurance to cover it. Well, because there's a purpose. In the long run, it's good for your kids. Or think about pregnancy itself. And every desirable parent, they they know what's going to happen during labor. And not just for a few seconds or minutes, but hours, maybe even a whole day, they're going to feel pain like they've never felt before. And yet there are people who try to get pregnant. Why? Because there's a purpose. So if you're okay with pain at the gym, or in the doctor's office, or the delivery room, because there's some great purpose, what if the same thing is true with God? What if there's a God who absolutely knows about this pain and controls it, and yet he still loves us because at the end of the day, There's a purpose. That is what I want to explore with you this week. In Romans chapter 8, which was written in the first century by a guy who knew all about pain, the Apostle Paul, a very famous Christian, wrote these words. He says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In all things in a corona thing. God is working for the good. And that's what I want to explore with you this week. Especially for those of you who don't yet share my faith. Now, I should tell you up front, there are some pastors and preachers out there who assume they know exactly why this is all happening. I'm not one of them. (laughs) God hasn't whispered any secret knowledge to me about why this happened in America or in that country at this time and place. I'm not going to guess about that. What what I'm going to do is to explore four reasons, biblical reasons, generally, why pain might happen to us. Let me tell you up front what they are. That without pain, like we're experiencing right now, you and I might use God, confuse God, reduce God, or lose God. But if God does allow pain into our life, we might appreciate God, understand God, Glorify God and find God. I hope you come back this week. I can't wait to explain those answers to you as we open up the Bible and find out why a good, knowing, powerful God allows bad things to happen, even to good people. Can't wait to see you this week and have an amazing day. How can there be a good God in a world where bad things happen? This week, I've been trying to speak directly to those of you who aren't so sure about God or religion, about Christianity, or the faith that Christians like me hold. If God knows everything, if God can do anything, if God loves us so much, then why does stuff like this happen? Why do people get infected? Why do they die? Why do we hurt? Well, this week, we're exploring four answers. That without painful situations, we would use God, lose God, confuse God, and reduce God. And today I want to talk about that first one. If bad things didn't happen in your life or mine, we might use God. If that's one of your struggles, I want to tell you a story today from the Bible. And it's an old story. And I'll admit it's kind of a weird story. But it's a famous story because it's a powerful story. It's about a guy named Job. Ever heard his name before? Job, thousands and thousands of years ago, had a really good life. When I was growing up, my dad would always say, you got it made in the shade. (laughs) Did did your dad say that to you, too? You don't know how good you got it, my dad would say. And my dad would say that to Job, too. Uh, Job was a successful man. He was a rich man. He had a great marriage. He had lots of children who loved him and he loved God. The scripture says that he prayed to God, talked to God, sacrificed to God. He worshiped God. But then one day, someone posed a question. In fact, it was more of an accusation. What if this Job is just using God? What if all this praise and sacrifice and God is so great, what if Job lifts up his hands, not because he loves God, but because he wants to get something from God? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Well, sure, Job would offer a sacrifice, say a prayer, do the worship thing. If God gave him this big family, this amazing life, good health, wealth, respect, business thriving, sure, I'll worship. But how would you know if he just wasn't using God? It's an interesting question because I I bet already in your life you have met someone who's been really good to you because they were just using you. You know, it's the guy out at the bar who seems so nice. He compliments, he's sweet, he, he buys you a drink because he loves you? Probably not. Maybe he just wants something from you. Maybe he's using you. Or you walk through the mall or through the car sales lot and someone comes up to you and they're so friendly and they're so kind and they're so complimentary and they say all the right things because they're such encouraging people with such great integrity. Some of them. But others, they're just thinking about the sale. The commission, the, the bottom line, they're just, just using you. And sadly, sometimes this happens with Christian people. You have a neighbor who goes to church every Sunday morning and they're really nice to you when they talk over the fence until they find out that you have questions and doubts, that you don't believe all that stuff just yet, and then maybe they're not so friendly and they're not so kind because you don't share their faith. Their love wasn't genuine. They were just using you. So, what's the only way you can know if someone's not using you? That they actually love you? Here's the answer. Pain. When someone isn't getting something out of the relationship and yet they still stick around, and they still love, and they still encourage, and they're still kind, even if it costs them, then you know it's real. And that's what happened with Job. The accusation was made, Job doesn't love God, he's using God. And so, God said, fine. And he let pain come into Job's life. His health, his wealth disappeared. His family, his business, his reputation. He lost everything. But what did Job do? His own wife proved that in a way she was using God. You should curse him after all of this. But here's what Job said, You foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God? And not trouble? The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That just might be the reason why God is letting this happen. There are lots of people who live healthy, wealthy, first world lives. We live in the suburbs with our two car garage, our nice homes, our 2,000 square feet. We have money in the bank, investments, and we go to church and we pray before our meals. But we'll never know if that faith is genuine until we pray in the midst of pain. We'll never realize that we actually love God and not just the good things that God gives until we suffer like Job. And so, if you hate religious fakes, hypocrites who just say the right things because they're in it for themselves, then actually, you shouldn't be afraid of pain. You should actually appreciate God for allowing it. It's what reveals the truth. And that's exactly why we know that Jesus loves us. If Jesus just came in the world to be praised and prayed to, we wouldn't know if he was just using us for that praise. But when it cost him pain, when he ended up on a cross, when everyone turned their backs on him, when when they spit in his face and put a crown of thorns on his head, but he didn't zip up back to heaven and say, fine, when he went through it, when he stayed, when he suffered, then you know it's real. So pain is not the problem. It's not the reason to reject God. He has a good purpose for it. In fact, it reminds us of the greatest purpose that he ever carried out for us. For our forgiveness. I pray that helps you believe in my God. A great, loving, powerful, all-knowing God who cares more than you'll ever understand. Thanks for watching and I can't wait to see you tomorrow. Without pain, we might use God, reduce God, confuse God, and even lose God. That's the message I want to share with those of you this week who aren't so sure about Christianity or religion or the Bible or Jesus. I know sometimes we're stumped and and maybe put off by the fact that God knows about the coronavirus. He controls the coronavirus. And he supposedly loves everyone who's suffering through the coronavirus. And that can rattle our faith. Or maybe make us not have faith at all. But today, I want to talk to you about that second main point. That without pain, we might confuse God. We might forget what Jesus is actually like. What Jesus actually did. It makes me think of a t-shirt that Britney Spears wore when I was in high school. (laughs) That has to be the weirdest transition in a video devotion ever. (laughs) So, I went to high school in the late 90s when the boy bands were everything. These were the days of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And if my college roommate says I had a 98 Degrees poster on the wall, You shouldn't trust him, even if he's telling you the truth about that. (laughs) I remember I started dating uh, my wife, Kim, my freshman year of college. And we, I mean, we loved pop music. I'm sorry if that puts you off. (laughs) We listened to Britney Spears and and JT. I remember when they went to the Video Music Awards as a couple in matching denim outfits. It was an amazing time. But I want to tell you today about Britney Spears' t-shirt. Around those years, I remember her wearing this really popular t-shirt that had this sketch of Jesus. And it said, Jesus is my homeboy. And I remember reading that thinking, I think she's confused Jesus. Is Jesus approachable? Is he the friend of real people? Real sinners? Is he our our big brother for those who are in the family of faith? Absolutely, but to call him just a homeboy? I don't know if you get Jesus. Do you know what makes you really get Jesus? Not some pop culture t-shirt. But pain. When you suffer pain, you can understand the real Jesus better, perhaps, than you ever have before. A couple weeks ago, one of the other pastors at our church made this incredible analogy. He said that one time he had food poisoning. And he was so sick, he honestly thought he was going to die. And he asked us the question as we were listening. He said, Do you know what my wife was feeling during those tragic days? I have no clue either. He said. (laughs) Because I was just thinking about me. In the midst of his pain, he had forgotten about everyone else. What they wanted, what they needed, how they were feeling. He just thought about himself. But not Jesus. When we suffer and go through pain, we we ask these questions and we think about their effect on us. But when Jesus suffered pain, it wasn't about him. It was about you. I love this passage from the Apostle Paul, a Christian in the first century who went through tons of pain. He said this in Philippians, chapter 3. I want to know Christ. I don't want to get him confused. I, I want to know him. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. You get that? Paul said, if I could participate in Jesus' sufferings, if I could go through pain, I I could know him. I could understand the depth of his selfless love. Why would he choose the cross? Why would he come down to earth? I, I could never grasp that until I am in such pain that I just want to escape it And then I realized that Jesus chose it. You know, the coronavirus has made me think of just how painful it must be to be infected. When it's difficult to breathe, when you're on a ventilator. But you know what that sounds like? The cross. You might not know this, that people didn't die on crosses because of the loss of blood and the nails in their hands and feet. They died on crosses because they couldn't breathe. The weight of their own body hanging from the nails would start to collapse their lungs and the only way to breathe was to pull themselves up on those nails and nerves. It was death by suffocation. It was a lack of oxygen. That's what killed Jesus. And when we read about these tragic stories of how how terrible it must be to have the coronavirus, to die that way, we think about the Jesus who didn't get infected by accident. It was his intention to die a painful death on the cross so that you and I would know that there is a God who is so loving and so good and so selfless. A God, yes, who knew about the cross and he had the power to escape the cross, but because he loved humanity so much, he, he chose not to, he went through it. And if that's the purpose, that we can stop thinking of Jesus as our homeboy, but as our hero, as our savior, maybe this would all be worth it. Without pain, we would confuse God. But in the midst of suffering, like Paul realized, we can know God, appreciate God, yes, even worship God. I'm just a guy, but maybe that is one of God's many purposes for this pain. I hope that draws you closer to Jesus. And I can't wait to tell you more as we talk tomorrow. This week, we have been talking about God's possible purposes for the corona pandemic. For those of you who are rattled by this belief that, well, if if God knows about it, and if God's powerful enough to control it, and if God loves us, then why would this happen? Why does anything bad happen to good people? And so we've been exploring the answers. Maybe God allows pain so that we don't use him or confuse him or reduce him or lose him. And today, I want to talk to you about that third reason. Through pain, we learn not to reduce God. Now, what exactly do I mean by that? I mean that without suffering, we tend to think a lot about things that aren't that big a deal. And we tend to think very little about the God who should be a very big deal. I thought about that idea the other day when I Googled a list of all the rich and famous and popular and influential people who've contracted the coronavirus. At least as a, a couple of days ago, here's just some of the names on that list. Actor Tom Hanks. Prince Charles. Politician Boris Johnson. Celebrity Andy Cohen. Football coach Sean Payton. Basketball star Kevin Durant. The Bachelor. Colton Underwood. And rapper Slim Thug. A rapper and The Bachelor. The pop star and Prince Charles. Football players. Kevin Durant can do crazy things with the basketball and yet yet all that skill, all that talent, all these people who are so big in our minds, it, it couldn't stop this little invisible virus. And that's such a powerful reminder to me. I don't know about your life, your passions, your goals, But we tend to think so much of our goals. If I just got this, I'd be okay. And Corona has exposed the this. If I could just be rich. If I could just be successful. If I could just make the team. If I could just get elected. If my art would just be appreciated by more people. The list of names that I just read to you, they had all of that and yet, look at what Corona did. It proved that all that stuff is so small. Not powerful enough to save us or to keep us safe. Sometimes God has to strip away the really powerful things in our culture so we realize that they're not that big of a deal, but that he is. About 2,000 years ago, a famous Christian named the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said to his friend Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Because sometimes when you're rich, when you're healthy, when life is good, you can put your hope, your future, your good life in something which is so uncertain. Has that ever happened to you? You know, this good life on this career path and then you lost your job, Or they promoted someone else. Or you fell in love and here's this person you're going to spend the rest of your life with and it's going to be happily ever after. But then you find out it's so uncertain. And there's breakups and infidelity. There's marriages that grow stale. There's divorce. Or you tried so long to have children and then you had them and then they wandered from your values, from your home. That relationship isn't what it should be. You worked out, you were faithful, you were eating clean and then you still got sick and then there was still cancer. And and why did these things happen? Because, because all of them are not that big. They're not that certain. They're not God. And sometimes God has to allow pain so we realize that. We pursue temporary things until pain takes them away. And this is why Paul said to his friend Timothy, why he's still saying to us today, put your hope in God. The one thing that is certain because you could get sick. Someone could break your heart. The boss could let you go. You could turn 30 or 40 or 60 or 80 and realize that the life you thought you were going to have, you, you don't have it, but you can still have God. It's actually the gift that Jesus lived and died and rose to give his people. It's the thing every day I try to make my, my rock, my centering, grounding place that no matter what happens today, sickness or death, Life goes great, or doesn't I still have God? And so I have hope, and I have peace, and I have joy. Maybe that's God's purpose for this pain. He has to strip that stuff away. He has to let even famous rich people suffer so we realize that's not what a good life is. A good life is having something that can't be touched or taken away. A good life is having God. With pain, we don't reduce him. We exalt him, we magnify him, And we can find peace and joy in him. Thanks for considering that idea. And I can't wait to tell you one more reason, one more purpose for our pain when we talk tomorrow. Without pain, you might lose God. This week I've been trying to talk to those of you who aren't so sure about God or Jesus or the Christian faith that I believe in. We've been wrestling with that idea, how can God know about the coronavirus and control the coronavirus and claim to love us when all these bad things keep happening? But we've been learning that if it wasn't for difficult times and hard days, if it wasn't for real suffering and pain, we might use God, confuse God, reduce God. And today, in our last uh, chat here, I want to talk to you that without pain, we might lose God. That's why Jesus addressed the tragedy of his day with that very same thought. Obviously the corona pandemic isn't the first hard thing that has happened to seemingly innocent people. There were two events that happened in Jesus' day that people had skeptical questions about. One involved a tower that killed 18 innocent people and the other involved a, a tragic, brutal sacrifice that Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, made. Have you heard those stories before? Just on the south side of Jerusalem, there was a pool called Siloam. The Bible says that Jesus actually performed a miracle there. Well, apparently next to that pool, there was a tower. And apparently one day, the tower somehow crumbled and 18 people were crushed and killed. When the crowds came up to Jesus, they wanted to know why. Why would God let that happen? People are just going to, you know, wash up in in the pool and suddenly the, the rocks fall and people die, how could God have known about that? Why didn't he keep the stones up? How can there be a good God when a bad thing like that happened? And while they were asking, they, they doubled down. They said, and Jesus, why did that thing with Pontius Pilate happen? The cruel Roman governor, he killed Jewish people when they were coming, we think, for the Passover sacrifice. They actually, he mixed their blood, the blood of Galilean Jews, with the sacrifices of those lambs. That's horrific. That's disturbing. How can God be watching over a world like that? Those are the two tragedies they put right before Jesus. And they asked him to explain this faith in a good God. Were those people not so good people? Did they have secret sins in their heart that God was punishing like lightning bolts from heaven? Well, Jesus answered their question. But he answered it in a way that might shock you. It might surprise you. And it absolutely is meant to confront you. Let me read to you these words from Luke, chapter 13. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. (laughs) It's a crazy answer, huh? These people wanted to step back as judges. Were they terrible sinners over there? Jesus said, no, that's not why that happened. But while you're here, let me talk to you. And he told the people, in the midst of their questions and doubts, he he confronted them and said, unless you repent, which means unless you change your mind about God, that he is worthy of everything, you will be lost. He used that pain so that they wouldn't lose God. And it feels kind of crazy for me to do the same thing to you. If you're not a Christian or you're not all in with Jesus just yet, I mean, taking a a tragedy, a difficulty, like the coronavirus and and confronting you for your past or your sin, that, that kind of seems nuts. But I don't know if I'm going to get another chance. And so let me be like Jesus right now and tell you what Jesus said that unless you, too, repent, you will perish. It's so tempting to stand off on the sidelines, to read the headlines and to judge God. How can there be a good God? How can you let this happen? I wouldn't do that if I were God. But today, Jesus wants to get a little more personal. What about you? Let's not talk about those people who are infected, those people who are suffering, the number of confirmed cases. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about the life that you've lived. Let's talk about what's in your heart. Let's talk about the words that came out of your mouth because they were in your heart. When you felt threatened or insulted. When the relationship wasn't what you wanted it to be. The things you had said behind closed doors, the text that you typed and then you had to delete because you realized they were just not good or loving or kind. Let's talk about you. And the basic thing we all agree with, that we should be kind to each other. That we should love our neighbor as ourselves, That we should treat people as we would want to be treated. H- have you? Do you? All people? In a time of tragedy, Jesus gets personal. And he says, I I tell you, unless you repent, you will perish. Unless you turn to God and cry out for his help, you you won't have God. You will lose him. Which means Jesus is saying, if you do repent, you won't perish. You'll live. And forgive me for being this bold, but I, I just don't know if we'll get a chance to talk again. Repent. Give it to God. Give up control. Stop running the show because you won't perish. Instead, you will have a life that never ends. You will have the hope of being with God where there are no pandemics and no pain. There's no funerals, no suffering, no doubts, no questions. There's just feasting and joy and happiness. It lasts forever and it's God's gift to you through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe God is letting all of these things happen as a megaphone to rouse, A world that's been sitting on the sidelines and judging God. Maybe Jesus wants to talk, if if to no one else, just to you. To draw you to himself and to give you something that lasts forever. Something that even corona can't take away. Forgive me if that was too direct. But I want to speak to you and say, repent. Find life in Jesus. He loves you. He has power over your future. He knows you and he wants to be with you. That's why he entered our suffering and pain. And it's why he let pain, lets pain happen today. I hope one day you get to join me in the feast that never ends. That you get to join me in the gift of eternal life. Thanks for taking that message to heart. I pray that you believe it. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, what's up everyone? Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. Uh, We certainly would love this message to reach more and more people. So if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing this podcast, it would bring it to more people's eyes and we pray this message into more people's hearts. Thanks for your support and we'll talk to you soon.